0: Welcome back to episode 49 of the T-Drop the Film podcast. Took a couple more weeks off. There's just simply not enough news to really uh, warrant a full episode, but I'm going to try to keep it pretty weekly from here on out. Uh, Especially, I mean, next week, it's the 50th episode. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'll count down a list, maybe I'll just do top 50 favorite movies. We'll see how lazy I am that day. Um, Or really, if there's anything big to talk about at that point. Uh, Well, there is something big to talk about today, and it broke an hour or three or four hours ago. And that is Michael Keaton is apparently in talks to portray Bruce Wayne once again in Ezra Miller's The Flash film. Um, There's a lot of angles to to this story, and, and... a lot of different opinions kind of flowing through my mind and, and racing around trying to figure out how I feel about this news. And I don't I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, you can imagine that maybe he was going to play Thomas Wayne at some point in this film, and that made a little bit more sense. Um, but when you think about it, I guess if they really are going to do the multiverse with the DCEU or whatever version of, of this universe that they're calling. It's cool, sure, that, that they're bringing back Michael Keaton, uh, you know, as Bruce Wayne, probably not Batman at all. I can't, I can't imagine that Warner Brothers is going to want to put Keaton in a Batman suit, not because he's pushing 65 or whatever, but because they're banking on Robert Pattinson, Bobby Bats himself, to be carrying that franchise for the next 10 years and they're not going to want to within the first year of Bobby Bats being Batman they're not going to want to just introduce another version of the character even if it is multiverse because the general population and the general audience is not going to fully understand what they're trying to do with you know a multiverse or interdimensional uh, alternate universes I mean it's just and you know I don't watch The Flash anymore, the TV show. But when I did, I can tell you how old that storyline got, and it got very old. I mean, just you'd be like, oh, well, they're just gonna pull a different version of Harrison Wells, or oh, they're just gonna get a different version uh, of Wally West, or, or Barry Allen, and oh no, that's not the, the Iris that you know. That's the the other Iris, and figure it out because we're running low on storylines for a show that runs 23 episodes a season. Like I get it but it's just not it's not something that it's just too inside baseball i guess um and you saw it with star wars like you saw it how they tended to for the latter part of the trilogy which i love that trilogy but they definitely tried to cater towards the general audience and i didn't mind that it just it didn't it didn't bother me but i know it bothered a lot of people and i can understand that and um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just I'm very curious as to where this story goes and if it really does get confirmed at some point by Keaton or by Warner Brothers or we're going to have to wait till that movie finally comes out in 2025 or, you know what I mean? I mean, my God. Um, anyway, other news, Hamilton. Uh, the Broadway play, of course, is coming to Disney+. Plus at uh, the top of next month i believe it's july 3rd in fact uh the friday before july 4th um which <laughs> i was seeing uh, online the other day that disney plus actually stopped the free trial versions of their software uh software what am i talking about the application uh streaming service because well it just makes sense like amazon prime you're only able to get free trials every now and then and that's if you're a completely new customer a full month. I think it's like a week. Um, Quibi, for some reason, it's three months, and I just canceled it today. Didn't watch it enough. Um, but I mean, Disney Plus. This is the biggest thing, and I don't care what anybody says about Mandalorian. Mandalorian was big. Like it's the first live action Star Wars. Hamilton is way bigger than Mandalorian is. It just, it just is. And this is going to bring. And I don't really know if you can quantify it, because Mandalorian debuted with the launch of Disney plus. So we don't really know how many people signed up just because of Mandalorian or they just wanted the service that had pretty much everything Disney. Um, But I, I would imagine that Hamilton is going to bring more people than the Mandalorian did to Disney plus, especially because the people after Mandalorian kind of just got rid of Disney plus because they don't really have much new content going. So this is big. This is big for Disney plus, but Hamilton did put out or the, the film Disney plus put out a teaser trailer to the film version of the Broadway play. Um, it looks great. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm trying to think if I've the only version of a play that I've seen turn into a film version, I guess you can say it was Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag. I saw that in theaters last year and, and but that didn't even, it didn't feel like a full production. The camera doesn't really move. It's just Phoebe sitting on a, you know, a stool for the majority of the hour 15. Um, this is, this is a, a totally different, you know, realm of, of filmmaking. This is a, this is a full production. Um, different camera angles. There's close ups. There's wide shots. Like, I'm excited. And I, I'm curious as to, you know, I mean, do we get a lot of crowd audience in this? How did they work that in? Did they try to, get rid of that and make it feel more of like a feature film. Like you're, you're react, like You don't have a laugh track. You don't have any gasps from the audience. Like, I don't know that that'll be very interesting to see how they handle that side of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting and it looks great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it in a week and a half, I guess is really what it is. Uh, here we go is the part of the, you know, the episode where Jeff Snyder over at the Inn Snyder and uh, the Snyder Cut podcast likes to call Tenet Watch, and of course, it's been three weeks since we've, uh, you know, done an episode, and since that time, Tenant actually moved. It did move two weeks. It got pushed to July 31st, um, and most theaters... Are either I mean there's some theaters by me that are opening at the end of this week. There are some theaters that are waiting till mid July, and at that point, uh, you know, Nolan and, and Warner Brothers are actually putting out Inception into the theaters uh, amidst many other films. Batman Begins, Space Jam, I think is one of them. Of course, Trolls World Tour is finally being put into theaters. Um, but yeah, in that time in between uh, when theaters open and Tenet comes out. Uh, you know you can have some classic releases. I don't know. I mean I didn't I, I would like to say I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for a lot of these releases, especially even Mulan, which I, I believe is still scheduled for July 24th. Um we're going to see though. Uh it, Illinois is doing a lot better than the other states, but you know things could change in a week, two weeks, and who knows. I and mean, we're still we're still a little over a month out from when Tenet gets released and I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer. I don't know if I'm going to be back. Maybe I'll wait a week or two till the crowds die down, but maybe that's what everybody else is thinking as well. So, play it by ear. Cobra Kai moved to Netflix officially. I think that was announced today. Um, um, along with the previous two seasons of the show as well, was moved to Netflix, which is nice. Because if I ever do... You know, sit down and watch the show. I'm glad that they're gonna have all three seasons, and it's not gonna be like, oh, this is just season three. You got to go to YouTube Premium to get the first two seasons. Like, I, you know, I'm never a big, I was never a big Karate Kid guy. I think I've seen the first one. I've seen bits and pieces of the Hillary Swank one on TV back in the day, um, but I was never a big Karate Kid fan. So the series never really excited me, but if it's at my hands when I'm looking for something to watch on like a Wednesday night or Saturday afternoon and I see, oh, there's Netflix. Oh, look, it's Cobra Kai. Maybe I tune in. Maybe I, maybe I start the show. Maybe you don't really need to know the lore of the the whole series to, to enjoy it. So, uh, you know, I, I might check it out. I, I think it just, it just depends on if I'm too backlogged at that point of shows because, There's so much stuff to watch, but at some point we are going to have a little bit of a gap because there hasn't been anything in production for the last three months besides probably animation. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, when that gap will be or if Netflix is going to try to fill it with a bunch of, uh, you know, films and television projects they purchased from the studios over the last couple of months. Like, um, what was, uh, well, Greyhound is going to be on Apple TV+. Plus. There was another film that, oh, Trial of the Chicago 7, the, the um, uh, oh, gosh, the writer of Social Network, the writer of West Wing, Aaron Sorkin's, uh, new film at the end of this year, uh, with Jessica Gordon-Levitt. I, I, I want to say Seth Rogen might be in it too. I could be wrong there. Um, I think Sasha Baron Cohen's in it as well. That is being in talks to, to be purchased by Netflix right now, which is interesting. Um, and that was supposed to come at the end of this year, so that that's a very curious move. Maybe these studios just don't have faith that there's gonna be enough people in the audience. I, I don't know. I don't know what their thought process is, but uh, it's very interesting. Speaking of awards caliber films, the Oscars were pushed all the way to April of 2021. Uh, and there's a couple other things they announced, including inclusion, uh, specifications needed to qualify. Um, like diversity, diversity qualifications. Um, and so they're going to allow movies in February, and I think in March. Or I'm sorry, January and I think in February. I don't know about the March and early April films. I don't think those will be able. But it's also like think about it. So like, if a movie comes out in January, February, can they basically say like hey, you know we want to be included in this year's award season. Or actually, you know what? we're going to wait till next years we're going to wait till the 2022 Oscars. Or at that point, are they just going to cancel the Oscars next year altogether and have a two-year Oscars celebration in the spring of 2022? Oh my God, that would be terrible if we had to wait that long. I know it's a first world problem, but man, the Oscars, it's my favorite day of the year, and that would suck. real, real. Bad. But I mean, if if the Oscars aren't going to be what they are, there's not going to be interviews on in the red carpet. If there's not going to be anybody in the audience. It's going to be an online show. Like I don't care as much. It's something about the theatricality of the whole show that I love. I love how it goes four hours. I could watch a six-hour Oscar show, you know. Um, but I gotta believe, as, as where a lot of people were saying online, I gotta believe this is probably a a network um, decision to announce this this early. Maybe there's some programming they want to make sure they have on the calendar they're not going to do it in February they want to have a specific date because I can't imagine by February things are going to be back to normal but maybe by April, maybe never know um, anyway, final part of the show what am I watching currently um, I think, yeah, the last episode that we did I had already finished The Leftovers it was a couple days prior to that we kind of did a discussion on that but I'm in the midst of a rewatch of the show already not The Leftovers uh, with my siblings, of course, um, I had, and it's one of those series. You just have to talk about, you have to, I don't know a single other person that has seen the leftovers that I know personally, of course, people online, I follow and stuff, have seen leftovers, but I don't know a single other person in my life that has seen the leftovers. I keep every person I talk to about, Oh, what shows are you watching? I say, watch the leftovers, watch the leftovers. It's dark. It's grim at times. It's even violent. Um, can be sad but it is so worth the payoff that you get at the end of each season but specifically at the end of the actual series um, it, that first season is very dark I gotta say so if you can't get through the first season I, I get it but know that that second season that tone hits so well between dark comedy uh, and real tragedy at times but it never gets too to me it never gets too heavy and the third season is just the perfect combination of both. Damon Lindelof just perfectly encapsulates the entire meaning of the series. But anyway, th- this isn't this isn't another leftovers discussion. Uh, I finished the Staircase about a week or two ago, which is that murder uh, mystery Netflix. Uh, well, I guess it wasn't originally a Netflix show, but it's like 15 episodes, 14, 15 episodes. Um, uh, basically a man who served time for allegedly committing a crime, and it's well well was he actually guilty or or was theres was there enough doubt that maybe he wasn't um and that that was a fascinating show um but i think I think the mystery of it kind of overtook the quality of it right like you kind of want things to be more um how should I put it? You want you want the outcomes to happen that inevitably you know are probably not legit. Like you kind of want the the conspiracy theories to be true. You want to play out the theories, but this is just more dealing with how uh, how a man with with such a strange past and a strange family history deals with the the, the concept of being leaked uh, to a murder of his wife. It, it it's more of a, a psychological story and a family story than it is a murder mystery Uh, i watched the pelican brief a couple weeks ago with julia roberts and, and denzel washington i can't even remember why i decided to sit down and watch that one um but i enjoyed it i thought it was pretty solid um uh i think it was really well written i think it's a grisham isn't it a john grisham uh and i was looking up grisham after i think and i was like there hasn't been a John Grisham movie in in decades now at this point. It's kind of weird how Hollywood was banking on those films during the 90s and late 80s, and then all of a sudden they just kind of stopped happening. Um, I finished Love Life on HBO Max. Uh, That was their so-called flagship series that I thought was very, very good. Um, The concept I like a lot, because I like the idea of every season... You know, there being a different character that you focus on, how they got from this point to that point in their love life. They tackle every single person that, you know, they quote unquote fell in love with, and just how they get to that. Po- I'm always curious. It's like that one movie I watched uh, a couple months ago with Ryan Reynolds. Definitely, maybe. I think that deals with the the idea that you know certain people are in your life to get you to another point in life it's the same thing with La La Land and I've mentioned this on the the podcast many times but I just love that concept in movies specifically in romantic films Um, and so I thought Love Life kind of tackled that really well and and Anna Kendrick is so dang charming Uh, so I'll watch her in anything even though I don't find her to be the best actress but I find her to be very charismatic um, in a completely different way but similar to like The Rock you know, The Rock's not the greatest actor, but he's a he's very charismatic. Um, but yeah, I thought that was that was good. Um, maybe one or two episodes too long. Uh, I think it probably could have been seven, to eight 30-minute episodes. It was 10, I think. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to if they do another season. I, I really hope they do. I, I hope it got the the viewership it needed. Uh, I rewatched The Hate You Give a couple weeks back, which I thought reopened my mind to so many current issues we're having right now that um, you think are, are just going to end it, 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 at some point, but they just don't, um, so that was great, somebody's whistling outside, and I have no idea who that is, or it's a kid just yelling and swinging on a swing, I don't know, anyway, uh, I finished the incredibly, I guess you could say lackluster is not even a good enough word, uh, but season three of Killing Eve, which I thought was just such a letdown. I just stopped caring after a while in those episodes. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. This is not enough, not enough there in season three. I don't even think it warrants another season, but if they do another season, it better be 10 times as good as the this season was because Wow. Not a fan. Um I've seen a few more episodes of The Outlander since I last did a, a podcast. It's it's okay so far. Haven't gotten hooked. That's why I've been watching like one episode a week. But even that, that's not good enough to really even get to the point. It's kinda like I actually I kinda started that way with leftovers though too. I had I watched like an episode every six, seven days and then it was like after the fifth or sixth episode that I was like, okay, this is this is a show I really need to devote my attention to. Um, and, of course, it's now become one of my favorites, favorite shows. Um, I watched Donnie Brasco. I started The Eddie on Netflix, um, which, again, haven't really got too much into. I've only seen two episodes of it. Um, but it's Damien Chazelle, and, and I will watch anything he does after La La Land for the rest of his life. Um, and I'm, I like jazz in movies. I don't really like listening to jazz, outside of movies. But I typically I find that I, I like these, these sort of, you know, throwback, classic style films. And so the Eddie kind of feels like one long, you know, jazzy film. So I like that, and I like how every episode's kind of dealing with a, a different main character in the show too. So that was good. I finished. Uh, the HBO series, I Know This Much Is True, which I thought was magnificent at the end. I thought it really, really hit the nail uh, the, the last two episodes. Every episode was just such, uh, so tough to get through because of how dark it was for the first three, four. And the last two or three episodes, I mean, that was really powerful stuff. And Mark Ruffalo, my God, is that guy a great actor. Uh, and I really hope he gets nominated for an Emmy. I think he will, um, but it's just a matter of whose competition is at this point. Uh, I rewatched About Time, uh, which again hit it hit me even better this time. I was kind of reluctant to watch it, uh, and then when I you know I sat down, I'm like, oh, you know what? This was this was good, you know, like that. You re- I mean, when you realize what the film is actually about, and it's really not a love story at all, at least between uh, a husband and his wife, it's, it's a love story between a, a son and his father. Uh, that, I mean, it really hits, it's very, very well. Um, and, and God, that, that score, I, I, I feel like I gotta see who, who did that score. because That is, wow. It hits very, and the beach scene, um let's let's pull up imdb here who did the score for about time all right richard curtis directed it of course and it was nick Laird close who also did glow or he's done some glow he's done ferris bueller's day off Planes, trains and automobiles uh the dreamers parent trail okay this guy, this guy's got a track record, but not necessarily with composing scores. He hasn't done a film since about time, um, so that's interesting. Uh, but very, very good composer. Um, let's see what else we got here. I, I, yeah, you know, I watched the the pilot to Snowpiercer, and I got I gotta say, like it, it, it was okay. It just didn't feel like it needed to be like i i I watched and i'm like i don't did this need to be a series like i don't don't think anybody was asking for this so i'm willing to give it a shot but it's already been a week since i've seen the pilot like will i even go back to it we're gonna i don't know i don't know i watched stand by me last week which i think was the second time i watched it i feel like i watched it in high school and in class but I, i did not remember anything but the leeches scene um yeah so i I was like, I, I gotta rewatch it. It was good. It was very good. I love the message of that film. Uh, I watched *The Five Bloods*, which I thought was very good. It's one of Spike's best. Which I haven't seen a lot of Spike, Lee's, Spike Lee Spike films, but it's probably the best Spike Lee film that I've seen. Um, so you know, I gotta go back into his uh, filmography and check out a couple more. But I, I really liked that one. Thought uh, the performance of um, was it Delroy? Uh, what is his last name? Delroy Lindo, well, yeah, Delroy Lindo, uh, he was really excellent. I also watched Groundhog Day for the first one, first time. That was a long time coming. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't know if it held up as well. And this is sort of the, the another. This is a whole another discussion, but I, this is sort of why I don't feel like comedies. I, I gravitate to comedies as much because I don't think five, six, seven years later, I don't think they hold up. I don't. It's so rare to have a comedy that hits you as well the ten years after you see it or seven years after you see it, like like dramas do. Like dramas to me are timeless. It doesn't matter what a drama looks like or the references, because dramas aren't built around references. A lot of comedies are built around references um, and certain things that are happening in the world at that time. Uh, and dramas. And other genres just don't, and they're not built around that. That's why they, you know, that's why I can still cry when I see The Lion King, or or tear up at the end of Breakfast at Tiffany's, or, or you know, or like even I'm looking at my poster of bringing up Baby right now, and that's a screwball comedy that is not built around references. That's built around like physical comedy, and situational comedy, um, which does hold up. So if if it's something like that, then sure. And the Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day isn't even. It's not even like it's it's a straight comedy. I just didn't, you know, I think what the situation is, I think the concept of Groundhog Day has been done better since. So, you know, like Happy Death Day, Edge of Tomorrow, the Legends of Tomorrow episode, the Arrow episode that did it, I think all of those did it honestly better in Groundhog Day. And that's, that's you could say it's not fair, but that's just reality to me, to me. And then just last night, I watched the I Love You Now Die HBO. I guess you can call it film or or series. Uh, I thought that was very interesting, and it brought a different light to that story that I think anybody who's on social media in the last five, six years knows about. Um, So check that out. Uh, Dark, dark for sure. Depressing at times, but it was good. Um, So that's going to pretty much do it. So we'll see if next week is the 50th episode, or maybe it'll be seven weeks from now when I, you know, I have something better to talk about maybe it'll be when tenant comes out maybe i'll wait i think i'm planning on doing one every week but we're gonna see all right that's it have a tenant filled oh it's not coming out this weekend have a leftovers filled weekend that's it see ya